This episode contains graphic details of murder and other crimes. Listener discretion is advised. and welcome back to not always polite i hope you guys have had a great week so far so before i get started i would like to ask you guys for some help there is a missing person near my hometown she checked herself out of a rehab center and has not been heard from since january 20th 2023 her name is ashlyn garito she was last seen in owen sound ontario and she used her debit card at central convenience and shoppers drug mart in owen sound the missingpeople.ca has a blurb about her. She's 33 years old. Like I said, her name is Ashlyn Garito, and she was last seen in Owen Sound on January 20th, 2023. She's described as Caucasian, 5'4", weighing approximately 140 pounds. She has sandy brown hair and brown eyes. The police say that they don't know what clothing she was wearing, but there is security video of her. She was wearing a black coat, a baseball cap at the time, but she could have changed since then. So she actually has limited ties to the Owen Sound area and is known to frequent Barrie. So people in Barrie, keep your eyes out. Um, the Owen Sound Police Service is requesting anyone with information regarding her whereabouts to contact the Owen Sound Police at 519-376-1234 or Crime Stoppers of Grey Bruce at 1-800-222-8477. If you guys could do me a favor and if you see her TikToks, her cousin is Kaylee on TikTok, she is sharing this everywhere if you see it on facebook share it her cousin is frantic trying to find her which i don't blame her so yeah that is my little request of you guys um i'll share if if i can find um like a link or anything um for something you can share i'll put it on instagram so as soon as you hear this that'll be up there okay with that being said i will get on into the case for this week This week, we're talking about the disappearance of Noreen Greenlee. So, um, yeah, I'll just get right on into it. Um, Yeah, I don't think I have anything else to tell you guys. My life's really boring. This is, like, the most exciting thing I do every week, I swear. So, in September of 1963, Noreen Greenlee was 13 years old, living in Bowmanville, Ontario, with her four brothers, two sisters, and their parents, Harvey and Nadine Greenlee. Noreen was a well-rounded teenager who enjoyed school. She enjoyed playing sports like baseball, going skating, swimming, and bowling, and horseback riding. She enjoyed baking and sewing. Noreen was an excellent singer. Her two favorite songs were Puff the Magic Dragon, which I don't think my sister listens to this, but my mom and grandma do sometimes, so hey, mom and grandma. My mom used to play Puff the Magic Dragon. I believe it was on a cassette in her car. Anyways, love Puff and lemon tree even though she was only 13 years old she also took on some extra responsibility and worked at a gas station in bowmanville she just wanted to have some uh, spending money at this time it was said that she was not interested in boys but noreen liked hanging out with her friends and loved her time with her family she often cared for her siblings she was said to be quote 
like a mother to them and looked after all of their needs. On the evening of Saturday, September 14, 1963, Noreen went bowling at Liberty Bowl on Baseline Road with her best friend, Bonnie Wilkins, and Bonnie's new boyfriend, Gary Woolner. After bowling wrapped up, the three headed to Sam's Restaurant, which was a popular local hangout to get some food. Eventually, they ended up at Bonnie's house on the corner of Waverly Road and King Street slash Highway 2, which is now, quote, Old King Street. Bonnie and Gary went to get some alone time. Or, sorry, they wanted to get some alone time. They didn't go anywhere. They wanted some alone time. So Noreen said goodbye and went to wait for the 11.35 p.m. westbound bus that would take her home. The bus stop was only steps from Bonnie's house. Shortly after 11 p.m., after waiting only a few minutes in the cold night, Noreen ran back across the street to tell her friend that she was cold. Bonnie offered Noreen a coat, which she refused, and she went back to waiting at the bus stop. Sometime between 11 and 11.15, a man named William Pauly drove by the bus stop. He had his wife, daughter, and mother with him, and they were on their way to drop off his mother at her place on Waverly Road. That was when William noticed the young girl waiting at the bus stop as they passed, but he didn't think much of it. I guess the 60s were a different time. At 11.35, the bus arrived at the scheduled stop, but Noreen wasn't there. When she failed to return home, her father reported her missing, and a massive search began. For eight days after Noreen vanished, more than a 1,000 searchers combed the area. Workers from Goodyear, Duplate, and General Motors offered their time to help with the search. Tracking dogs were used, ponds were drained, were, oh my gosh, ponds were drained, and an aerial search was conducted, but there was no sign of Noreen. The police interviewed Noreen's family, friends, and acquaintances. The mayor of Bovenville, Ivan Hobbs, pledged a $1,000 reward for information on the case. In 2015, an age-progressed sketch was released to the public with hopes it would spark new leads. Noreen's remain, Noreen remains missing to this day. I will post the sketch on Instagram. At the time of her disappearance, Noreen was 5 foot 2, 100 pounds, and had brown hair and greenish blue eyes. There was a dark freckle on the right-hand side of her lip. When she was last seen, Noreen... I really wish I could get through one of these episodes without not being able to speak. But that does not seem likely. When Noreen was last seen, she was wearing a white blouse, peachy pink sweater black jeans, and black running shoes. She also wore a dainty silver chain around her neck with a blue pendant, and she was carrying a small navy dome change purse with about 70 cents in it at the start of the evening. So let's discuss some of the possible theories that may have led to her disappearance. So as usual, the first theory is that she left on her own accord. Did Noreen run off to start a new life? As with most missing persons cases, this is a pretty out there suggestion. Most people don't run away to start a new life. By all accounts, Noreen was happy. She was also 13 years old. She was close to her mom and dad and apparently talked about how much she enjoyed caring for her siblings. Noreen was interested in school and involved in several after school and weekend activities. There was not even a like hint, not even a whisper of abuse at home. Also, her friends and family said Noreen had not yet become interested in boys, like I mentioned, so it's unlikely that she ran off with a boy or 
a boy caused her to run off. All this suggests that she had little reason to run away from home, from her friends and family, and start a new life. Now, the more, unfortunately, likely situation is that Noreen was abducted or murdered. William Poley, the man who initially saw Noreen at the bus stop, saw something else of note when he passed Noreen again on the way back to his house after dropping off his mom. He told the police that he saw, quote, the same young girl get into a blue 1957-58 model perfect car. It was either extremely well capped or recently painted. He said that the car was driven by, quote, a man wearing a black hat, and it was traveling in the west, west, it was traveling westbound in the direction of Noreen's home. This is the same type of car that was last seen by Noreen's sister Joyce and her friend while they waited for Noreen to get off the bus by her house. They said that the perfect weaved towards them, almost hitting them, and they could hear a girl screaming from inside the vehicle as it barreled out of sight, traveling north down Holt Road. Joyce was positive the girl she heard screaming from the car was Noreen. She ran home and told her dad and her brother about what happened. They frantically drove around the neighborhood trying to find the car, but it was long gone. Harvey returned home, Harvey's her father, sorry, and called Noreen's friend Bonnie, but she didn't know where his daughter was, and to her knowledge, Noreen had taken the bus home. But at this point, Harvey realized that Noreen was missing, and he called the police. The authorities documented that Joyce and her friend heard Noreen scream from a passing car, but they said since she was not actually seen in the vehicle, it was unclear who was screaming. In fact, the police seemed to doubt if the incident happened at all. As a result, it was not initially released to the media. There's potentially a lot more to this incident than the authorities originally thought. The vehicle Joyce and her friend were described hearing Noreen screaming from, matches the model of the car that Polly witnessed Noreen hop into at the bus stop. And when Joyce and her friend first spoke of the incident, they likely knew nothing about the vehicle sighting at all. On top of that, you will see a Ford Perfect makes another appearance in this case very shortly. Regardless, the question remains whether or not Noreen knew the man who abducted her. If she did, the police may have had a better chance of solving the case, because her killer could already be on their radar as a suspect. That perfectly leads into the third theory that Noreen was killed by someone she knew. I feel like this happens, I don't want to say most of the time, but, you know, like 60% of the time, that Noreen was killed by someone from her inner circle or even an acquaintance. On one hand, Noreen could have been acquainted with the person who abducted her. In fact, her family wondered if he frequented the gas station where she worked. On the other hand, Bonnie told the police sometime her and Noreen, sometimes her and Noreen hitchhiked. So it's not beyond the realm of reason Noreen willingly got into the stranger's car for a ride home to get out of the cold. The Durham Regional Police dusted off Noreen's case several times over the decades and interviewed countless people who were loosely connected to her. Their efforts never really amounted to much, though. Then, in 2016, Noreen's family received a tip that had the potential to crack the case open. Someone called in a tip and said that his dad had made a deathbed confession, admitting to his son that he had killed Noreen. According to the story, his dad was a construction worker and a part-time school bus driver in Bowmanville. So when he offered Noreen a ride home that night, she recognized him from, the time, from his time as a school bus driver and felt safe getting into his car. 
He said that he killed Noreen by hitting her on the head with a dowel. Afterwards, he placed her body into the trunk of his 1959 Ford Perfect. On the following Monday, he went to work at a construction site, and he buried her using his car as a bulldozer and backhoe. He told his co-workers he was, quote, done with the vehicle because it was a jalopy, I don't know what that is, that had given, given him no end of trouble. There was no mention of a motive in any of the media coverage of this confession, although it was probable the crime was sexually motivated. Noreen's family substantiated the parts of the story they could. They confirmed the man's dad had been a part-time bus driver in Bowmanville and discovered the highway had indeed been rezoned in the time frame and area detailed by the caller. Noreen's family pressed on and funded a magnetic scan of the property. A geophysical survey report was put together by a forensic anthropologist named Renee Wellman. Her report indicated, quote, areas of interest where a car may have been buried. Woman explained, there were certain areas of the property that showed a significant anomaly that could be consistent with that of a car. The Durham Regional Police were less than enthusiastic, and they doubted the credibility of the person that called in the tip. They went ahead to satisfy the family and did a search anyways. In October of 2018, an extensive excavation was done in the vicinity of Regional Road 57 and Concession 8. According to police, two long, deep trenches were dug in search of a buried Ford Perfect. One was roughly 150 feet long, and the other one was about 100 feet long. The trenches were dug to a depth of 7 feet, and then metal detectors were used to penetrate the ground 3 more feet. Although the excavation generated a lot of media attention, it didn't unearth anything besides dirt to give a clue about the whereabouts of Noreen. Renee Wilman, the forensic anthropologist who first did the magnetic scan of the property, did have an issue with the search. First, she thought the area excavated did not perfectly align with where she identified the anomalies. Second, she said the grid should have been set up to help a grid should have been set up to help systematically examine the property for evidence. Third, she wondered if the authorities were even using the right equipment. She suggested that they would have been better off using a flat-edged bucket on the excavator, quote, to mimic the work of an anthropologist using a shovel. Fourth, she questioned the decision to skip using ground-penetrating radar and move straight to excavation. Finally, she was surprised she was not invited to participate in the search, especially considering her expertise. Given all of this, Renee thinks further investigation of the area is warranted. Noreen's family couldn't help but wonder if the OPP dug within feet of the vehicle containing Noreen's body, but missed it. So, that is the theories, basically. Her mother, Nadine, took the loss of her daughter especially hard, telling the media, quote, It was like a living hell, not knowing what happened to Noreen. She set a place at the dinner table every night for Noreen and celebrated every one of her birthdays. Shelly, Noreen's sister, said the disappearance, quote, turned my mother into an alcoholic. She fell into the bottom of a bottle and never came out. Oh, I think I said something wrong when I was talking about him burying the car. He buried his car using a bulldozer and backhoe, not using the car as a bulldozer and backhoe. That doesn't make any sense. So that's a correction. So sorry. My notes apparently do not make sense. But what else is new? Anyhow, Shelley also shared that her father became consumed with the search for his missing daughter and died of an aneurysm. 
As a result, Lorraine's younger siblings were split up and placed in foster care, permanently changing the trajectory of their lives. Shelley said Noreen's disappearance, quote, just destroyed our family for generations. It's been hell, you know, not knowing. We want to bring her home. We want anyone who knows anything. You know, there's hope. We hope. Before Noreen's mother died, her children promised her they would keep looking for Noreen. Although more than half a century has passed since Noreen vanished, her family has kept their promise. On Saturday, May 23rd, 2015, more than 100 people participated in the Walk to Remember Noreen Ann Greenlee. The route started at the site of the Old Liberty Bowl on Baseline Road and continued down to the location where Sam's Restaurant once stood. Went, it went on to Bonnie Wilkins' old home on Waverly Road and ended where the bus stop once stood where Noreen disappeared. Noreen's family has recently tried to get a copy of her case file. They said that they believe the police are not searching for her anymore, so they want to, quote, do their own digging or find a private investigator to look into the case. Detective Terry Height with the Durham Regional Police explained, quote, since the investigation is still active, police will not share the investigative file. If it was released, it could make any prosecution impossible if the, court, the case ever makes it to the courts. The Greenlee family and the Bowmanville community have been waiting for answers for many, many years. If you have any information about Noreen's disappearance, please contact the Durham Regional Police at 188-579-1520 or Crime Stoppers at 1-800-222-8477. So I guess I have two requests for you this week. The first request is to share the missing persons case that I talked about at the beginning of the episode. And the second request is to help Noreen's family get closure. As always, I will have all the information for this case posted on my Instagram. You can follow me there at notalwayspolite. And as I'm always asking, can you guys please leave me a review if you're enjoying this wherever you're listening? It would mean a lot to me. I hope you guys have a great rest of your weekend and I will talk to you guys next time.